Hello and welcome to episode number 31 of Inbound Agency Journey. I'm Andrew, one of the co-hosts here, and I am just overjoyed that you are with us right now. Thanks for plugging in, downloading this episode, and taking a listen here. Today we've got a conversation between Gray and Jason Swank. Jason runs jasonswank.com. He has a background in the agency space where he made an exit, sold his big, big agency. They get into that here in the story, and now he consults with agency owners like you and me to help us run more profitable agencies and attract bigger retainers. So more on that in the interview. Here we go. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray. Welcome to today's episode of Inbound Agency Journey. I'm your host, Gray McKenzie, and today I am very excited to be talking with Jason Swank. Um, he is, among other things, the host of the Smart Agency Masterclass, a weekly podcast for agency owners. But his background is in the agency space. So he started an agency in 1999, Solar Velocity, all kinds of great numbers from, uh, from that agency startup and eventual sale. They hit over $13 million in annual revenue, had over 100 employees, um, all kinds of great success in Jason's past. But today what we're going to be diving into is talking about a couple of things that, um, that Jason does really well. And one of the things that he had a lot of success with at Solar Velocity was implementing systems and processes to grow that agency and scale that agency beyond his own, obviously, his own capabilities. And then also uh, the realm of proposals and sales. And he did a presentation at Inbound this year about that. Um, so we'll be diving into that topic as well. But first, we're going to start off with Jason's story. And before we get there, Jason, enough with me talking with the intro. Welcome to the podcast, man. Well, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be on here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. So, Jason, walk us through. Um, obviously, you've got you've been in business for quite a while. You were in the agency world for quite some time. But walk us through kind of your personal story and the story of Solar Velocity. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, I started in '99, and I kind of fell into it. You're right. So I I graduated from Florida State. Go Knowles. Um, and, uh, I worked for a, a paper shredding company called Arthur Anderson and quickly hated it for, I worked for them about for six months and I was lucky enough that one of my friends looked just like Justin Timberlake. So I created a website kind of making fun of InSync called InShit <laughs> and it got popular and people asked me to design websites. And so that's how I fell into creating solar velocity. And we start off selling like $500 websites. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't even know what an invoice was when our first client asked us to, to send them an invoice. And, you know, for a number of different years, we just struggled along right under kind of the, the half million dollar mark, right? I mean, we were making a good living, but we just hit that kind of cap and we couldn't break free. And then when we started getting serious and, and started really looking at Implementing the right systems, and I'm not just talking about technology, but implementing the right systems from marketing to sales to delivery to hiring to everything, we really started having exponential growth. And we started taking on amazing clients, getting amazing employees. And so from that, that point, I realized that the right systems will outperform talent all day long. And, and that's a big statement, especially in the agency world, right? Because everybody always says, 
you know, our people are the best and our portfolio is the best. But if you, you know, the only difference between an eight-figure agency and maybe possibly where your listeners are now, maybe they're a little smaller, maybe they're a little bigger, um, is really the right systems. The, the bigger companies are no smarter. They're no, um, they don't have better people. It's just they have the right systems. Yep, absolutely. So, Jason, what was, where was the evolution in, in the timeline of the agency? So you, were, you started the agency in 99. Where did you start to implement those systems? Probably in year five or six. Okay. Right. So it took us a while, but you got to think, I didn't even know what an invoice was. So right. <laughs> it was a long time. Oh man. That, I mean, that story sounds so familiar. So I started Guava Box along with Andrew out of my college dorm room five years ago. And for the first year of business, we just re- I tell people we were just basically digital yes men. If you needed something done online and it would provide revenue for the company, that was, I mean, just completely clueless at the time. And, and obviously running your own agency, the only way to make it is to figure this stuff out. Uh, but it does take time to get there. So Solar Velocity, Jason, I've heard um, some of the story about your exit there. But could you give us uh, what that kind of the continued trajectory of solar velocity and then your exit. And the part of the story that I don't think I have heard before is why did you wind up selling the company? Yeah. Well, when we first started, especially in 99, that was kind of the dot-com era, right? All these businesses were selling for gazillions of dollars. And so we had the intent to start it up and sell it pretty quickly uh, because people were getting bought for an insane amount. And then when the dot-bomb happened, right around about you know, 2000, you know, we literally were like, well, let's create this nice lifestyle business and, and let's, let's just build something really cool that we enjoy. And so we started doing that. And then along the years, as we started implementing the right systems and the business could grow and it wasn't all dependent on us, we had more and more people wanting to buy us. But at the times we kept growing really good and we're like, why do, why would we want to do that? And it just wasn't the right time. And then when it came down to, you know, maybe year 12, we started working with a partner that we kept using back and forth. And I mean, literally, we're winning business left and right uh, for each other because of our compliments, right? So we were really good on UX and, um, and social CRM, and they were really good on uh, SharePoint. And it just, we were winning huge accounts. And so then they started seeing a lot of the stuff that we were doing and wanted and they just made the right offer at the right time. And we were just like, yeah, you know, two plus two is e- going to equal 80, right? Not just, you know, and it, it wasn't all about the money. And so we joined on with them. And it was a culture fit. You know, everything aligned very well. But the thing that happened was um, they really just wanted to buy us for revenue and then quickly sell. So nine months later... Um, they positioned to sell the agency yet again, and uh, and then I, I was able to exit, so I didn't have to do my two years of duty. Right. Wow. So this is I, so I didn't know that part of the story that from the beginning the goal was to build this and sell it, and it just took a little bit longer to get to that point, but but worked out. You eventually achieved that goal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it switched, right? So you know, we wanted to sell it really quick, and then we were like, well, no, you know, this is going to be a business that we build up and give to our kids. And then we quickly realized, you know, well, not quickly, I guess. It took us a decade to realize, be like, all right, well, maybe maybe we'll sell it. <laughs> right. Awesome. So then after the sale, 
what has um, what's kind of the the journey been like for you? What do you, what do you how do you describe what you do today? Um, and what's been the process and evolution for you personally? Yeah, you know, after I sold, I had no idea what I was going to do. I was like, all I know is running a digital agency. All I know is how to get clients and make it profitable, and you know, get you know, do all this stuff. But I couldn't do it. I had a non compete. I was like. And then I was like every agency owner or every service-based entrepreneur and saying, well, the grass is greener for the product side. So I'm going to go develop a product. And so I started developing an iPhone app because, you know, I just couldn't sit around at home and do nothing. I was like, you know, what can I go invest in? (laughs) And so, you know, I I hired a a couple of developers and uh, I was like, all right, we're going to develop this iPhone app that takes pictures of everything that you eat gives you a visualization, and then it's going to change your eating habits based on how you feel. And I just wasn't passionate about it. And I, I quickly realized that the grass is greener on the side that you water. And I didn't want to water that side. Yep. And I liked the service-based. And at the, around the same time, I was trying to think, what can I do? I had a lot of my old competition reach out and say, Jason, how did you kick our butts? How did you do this? And one person was about to go through a sale and I helped her out. And I had so much, I felt really significant for helping this person because it really kind of changed their trajectory and, and their lives. And I really enjoyed it. And then I was like, well, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can show people what it's like to build this and help them through the struggles that I wish I had. And so then that's when um, I started creating the, the site jasonswank.com and just putting information out there for you know, digital agency owners of stuff that I struggled with and how I got through it. And then that quickly grew from like me interviewing other agency owners and CMOs and cool brands and stuff like that. And it's turned into the coolest business I've ever created. I mean, I'm the happiest I've ever been. I work with amazing clients all over the world. Um, and it's, it's I'm, I'm really lucky. Yeah, that's awesome. So to try and kind of pin down what you do, I'm going to tell you what I know that you do. And then just just fill in the gaps here. So I know that you are doing speaking. Obviously, you're running the podcast still. You've got uh, some products and training materials on the site right now, jasonswank.com, including a lot of business document templates. Uh, You've got your proposal template, Mm -hmm. um, and we can dive into proposal in a a little bit. And I know that you've got uh, some sort of mastermind or have done some sort Mm -hmm. of mastermind for agency owners in the past. Mm -hmm. Am I missing out? Is that... Uh, and it seems like the central theme here is resources to take the expertise that you've accumulated and share it with agency owners to help them grow. Yeah, it's all about helping agency owners scale and grow and really get over their challenges. So, you know, I wanted to, I first started out doing one-on-one consulting, right? And I still do that for a select few. And then I quickly realized that what, that wasn't scalable and I wanted to help a lot more than just 10 clients at a time. And so then that's when I wanted to create a, a group only for agency owners, and that's the mastermind, where they were getting amazing results. And then I quickly wanted to help the people that might not be at that level, because I only let certain people at a certain level in that mastermind. And so then I wanted to develop programs to help them implement the right systems that we did in year five or six in order to get us over the million mark and then you know obviously carry us from there. And then I started thinking, well, what, what's one of the biggest challenges 
agencies have is lead generation because they rely on word of mouth, which is not scalable. So I put programs down together for that. But at the end of the day, I just wanted to create this webtility for digital agencies where they can go whenever they're struggling. And, you know, my whole goal is for my free content to be better than anybody else's paid. So, yep. and, and you have probably the, the same intent as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, a very similar theme to kind of our story and our journey from uh, Guava Box being the inbound agency, um, growing that aggressively and and then starting to also build up do inbound and take a resource, something that we learned and felt like we were hey, we're becoming uh, best in class at the project management side of this and the systems for client delivery. How can we take that and share that with the agency community as well? So, Jason, obviously the systems and processes, that I think to a lot of people just sounds, it sounds like a couple of different things. One, I think that it sounds nebulous. I don't know what systems and processes I need to be building. Mm-hmm. And two, it sounds overwhelming because it sounds like, well, man, I've got so much work to do every single area of my business. When you've started an agency, there are no systems and processes. You're kind of creating everything out of nothing. So what... I guess if you had to kind of pinpoint what the key areas that you were able to systematize or if you had to prioritize for an agency where they should be spending their time uh, systematizing things, Mm -hmm. where is that on the client delivery side, the sales side? Obviously, the goal is everything. But but if you had to create a prioritized list, kind of what did you what do you point to to attribute your success to or tell other agency owners? Yeah, there's a, there's a foundation. And a, a lot of us, especially like how I jumped into business and probably how you started out of your dorm room, someone asked you to do something. So you never really had clarity of really where you want to take this. Yep. Right. So you didn't have that like long term vision. And then if you don't have that long term vision, you can't create that short term 90 day goals. Right. I'm a big believer in 90 day goals because and they have to be measurable, like not subject, you know, not like like a certain percentage, it's like yes or no, did I hit them? And then when you do that, you're able to create a no list because whatever you say yes to, you're saying no to probably some of the right things. And so having that clarity is really the right, the first system. And that's really part of the foundation. There's, there's two systems. The other one's specialization. So, you know, a lot of us kind of just, you, you worked for a marketing company or you did marketing and then someone asked you to write some content or drive some leads or write some blogs or, you know, do a landing page or whatever it is. And you were good at it, but you never had like, you never knew where you wanted to take this. And because you, that's so important with every other system that you build on top of that, you really can't pass go without that. And it's really quick to do. I mean, you know, you just really just have to figure out where do you want to go? What does your business look like? What do you want to do? And then you can start setting the 90 day goals. And then the next system really is specialization, right? And you really have to drill down. You know, so many agencies look at the bigger agencies. And the big agencies are actually laughing at us, smaller agencies. They really are. Because we look at, like, the grays, the moxies, the tribals, the huge, all those. And we try to model what they're doing from their website and everything. But they don't generate any leads. They don't generate any business off their website. They've already built their brand. If you wanted to model them, you need to model how they started and how they grew. It's kind of like with Facebook, right? Facebook started out at Harvard. And then they went to the other Ivy League schools and colleges. So you have to start off with a specialization that you truly understand and can obsess over the people you're targeting about what's their biggest problem 
and what's their desire and then put out helpful information in order to help them versus being a generalist. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that that was something that's something we missed at Guava Box early on. And once we started to dive into a niche and say this is what we're good at and here are the things that we're not going to do, that was like flipping a, a switch for us. And I know that so many other agencies, I think there are a lot of agencies right now in the HubSpot ecosystem who are starting to realize, you know, we can't all be doing the same thing. And what you said about looking at the larger agencies, I think that's one of the biggest pitfalls for startup agencies as you look at where a big agency is today and the way that they're marketing themselves and messaging themselves and you try and copy that without looking at the evolution of how how were they successful in their growth trajectory. Yep, exactly. And and these two are the foundation because, you know, the next system that we always implement would be like our attack system, right? How are we going to actually go out and get business rather than waiting for it. And I know this is tough for you guys, all you inbound agencies, because you guys are true believers. You can create all your leads and that's perfect. But let's say a certain channel changes, like Google changes, or you get banned from Facebook or whatever it is, you're, you're, you're going to be lost. You, ha- you need to have multiple channels to bring in and build your pipeline. So you have to have an outbound strategy. I think HubSpot at Inbound started talking about this, which I was so thrilled. You have to have an outbound strategy for outreaching. You know, do you have a cold calling strategy, a telemarketing? Um, what events are you going to create? You know, all those kind of things. And you need to develop a strategy for that. Or how do you call? Like I interviewed, um, I think on episode four. So I think it's like jasonswank.com slash four. I interviewed a gentleman called Del Ross. He was head of marketing for IHG. And I basically went to him. I said, Del, how does a smaller agency get into bed with you? I guess I probably should have rephrased that, <laughs> but, uh, but who cares? Um, and he said, well, every day I get agency owners calling me and salespeople calling me and saying, you know, hey, I'd like to take you out to lunch and, and basically saying, how can I spend your money? And he says no, obviously, or doesn't even pick up the phone. But for the, the smart people that call him up and say, hey, we, are, uh, we specialize in the hospitality industry. And I was wondering if you knew much about the, um, the power editor. It's been a really pretty big game changer. And position something that's new, they had $50,000 of play money to play with yeah. for our first project, right? And so it's about creating those systems to attack as well as to nurture and bring them inbound. But then there's even systems for converting, right? So after you have these foundational systems, now you're to the table and you've spent all this time and money in order to get the lead. Now you've got to convert them, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what, what uh, as you guys were growing Solar Velocity, what were the most effective channels for you? And obviously this is... Uh, I'm not asking this question so that people, hopefully listeners don't take this and say, well, this is what I need to go do. Because obviously you're, you're targeting one specific vertical, one market, and in a period of time that uh, that's in the past now. But what were the most effective channels for you guys uh, of your attack strategy? Yeah. Well, it was identifying specifically who we wanted to go after. Like we wanted to go after Porsche and Lotus Cars and Home Depot. So, or like IHG. So literally, we literally called them up. We, we stalked them on social media to find out where they're at and go out there and happen to bump into them. Um, you know, we, for the really big companies, we actually sent out <laughs> letters. We would call like the mailroom if they had a mailroom. And uh, we'd find out who was at the mailroom. 
he, they would answer and like, hey, this is Bob. And I'd, we'd be like, oh, hi, Bob. And then we hang up on him. And then what we would do is send letters to like Jeff Bezos and all these other people, like attention. And it said on the outside of the envelope, please distribute. And we put all these envelopes and address it to Bob at the mailroom. <laughs> hmm. Right? And so we, that only works for the bigger guys. But for the other guys, it, it's about knowing who exactly you want to go after and what's their biggest challenge and going out and picking it up. You know, obviously we used AdWords um, and search and that. But the, the problem with that is you're only targeting people looking for what you do. So you're only going after about 3% of the market. And then there's a, another 30% of the market that will never, ever do work with you. So if you look at the number in the middle, 67%, and you guys probably believe in this because you guys are all inbound agencies, if you educate them, they're not ready yet. Um, they don't know they have a problem yet. So if you educate them, you know, other channels we use obviously was inbound, right? We wrote a lot of content. Um, we spoke a lot. We went to um, and sponsored the right conferences and had the right strategy in order to lure them in. And when I say the right strategy, I wasn't pitching marriage to them right off the bat. And I think that's what a lot of inbound and any kind of agency does is they pitch marriage right off the bat and it scares the hell out of people. Yep. Yeah, well, that, uh, this is actually a good uh, transitional point, Jason, something that I wanted to dive into. One of the biggest takeaways from your uh, from your talk at Inbound that I heard this year was you brought out, and I think that a lot of partners are starting to discover this. This was another switch that flipped for us at Box, but the power of the discovery project or exploratory project or the first paid engagement where you're not going in and saying, sign up for a 12 or 24 month retainer. And we can talk about why that word is such a terrible word mm-hmm. to, to say ever anyways. Um, but you're starting out with some kind of discovery project first. And do you just want to share what you discovered uh, through yeah. that process and why that was effective for you guys? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's all about, and it's kind of like a kind of milestone selling or milestone marketing, whatever you want to call it. But you got to think about how can you create an easier decision for someone? So when you pitch a $10,000 a month retainer or $50,000 a month retainer like we had, right, that was a big commitment, especially when I locked you into it for a year. And I know a lot of you listening may say you get a $5,000 a month retainer, but they can cancel at any time. That's a payment plan that they can cancel. That's not a retainer. And I know why you sell that because that's easy for you, but you need to get past your comfort level. So in order to work your way up to that where you can charge what you're really worth, you really need to figure out and help them with a smaller decision. So we would use like a discovery, a paid discovery or a paid audit. And those always worked really well where we were able to, like they could pay us $2,500 to look at their AdWords account and let them know, um, you know, what they were doing wrong and the opportunities. And then from that audit, then we could say, you know, here's all the things that you're doing wrong and here's the opportunity if you did it right, here's what you need to do. And they'll be like, dude, that's awesome. And, they'll, and you'd be like, dude, do you want us to help? And they're like, yeah. And then you lead with the project, right? right? And you want to lead with the project because that's another next step level commitment rather than a big retainer. And you can actually get a bigger retainer if you lead with the project and get increase your cash flow. So a lot of times what we would do is we would look at, all right, how long is it going to take for them to see massive value? So is it three months or four months? And then we would take normally what we would do, like if let's say we were charging $5,000 a month, we go, okay, we're going to charge 
for four months, $20,000. Half of that's going to be paid up front. So now we got increased cash flow and then the quarter quarter, right? Right. And then while we're in the project, what we're going to start doing is talking about, I don't like this word retainer, but maybe continuous improvement, workshop, whatever it is, um, about positioning that reoccurring help and positioning something that ongoing maintenance or whatever you want, ongoing help, ongoing writing, and you can position that retainer probably at about 25 to 50% more because now they already trust you. And you can lock them into a 12, 24-month deal because if you want a position to sell, you have to have something predictable for that seller to buy. Right. No, you're exactly right. I mean, it's all about just the, and I think that the marriage analogy, even though it's funny, it is appropriate because the first thing you need to do is get someone to talk to you and then go on a first date and then start dating and then get engaged. There's all these steps in the process before this ultimate lifelong commitment. And in the world of business and online marketing, 12 or 24 months sounds like the rest of life. It's a, it's a huge time frame that you're trying to pitch people on. And so I think that, um, starting off with this discovery project and then leading into, um, you know, some other short-term project, you're kind of continuing to lead people down the process, building trust along the way, and then they're ready for it, uh, at the right time. And what we found at Guava Box was that when we started selling, what we sell as our, uh, standard discovery project is an inbound marketing game plan. And we're building a strategy together with them, kind of uncovering their goals. There's a lot that goes into that process, but, it's still a much smaller investment and there's clear value whether they continue to work with us or not. So we've taken a lot of the risk off the table of them having being tied to us as an agency. And what we found was that we increased our close rate, we reduced the length of the sales process, and then we got paid for the latter half of the sales process. And it just feels like, I think, once we realized that, if someone had told me that at the beginning, I think my reaction would have been, this is too good to be true because all three of these things, I don't know how these would go together. But they do, and it's uh, that's been a key to a lot of success for us. Yeah, I mean, they, the the eight the, the agencies that work with me that implement this have huge results. I mean, literally, you know, I, I always use this case study because it was. I mean, he took massive action, so it takes work to do, right? You, you just can't say, "Oh, I heard this strategy and it's going to go work." You got to actually go do it, and um, they had great success. I mean, literally in two months, they went from twenty five thousand a month in reoccurring to $87,000 a month in reoccurring in two months Wow! by doing this single strategy. Obviously, they doubled the rates too, so that helps. But they do two things that are really easy to do, but it requires action. And, and I mean, like even at the numbers I, sh- I shared at Inbound, you know, on the traditional approach, if you did $5,000 a month for the retainer and all that, it's usually about $60,000 you are going to get from the client, but you're losing money on profit. Because if you did it the kind of the, the you know let's say the swank formula whatever it was whatever what name we want to come up with, um, we looked at if you do the discovery to the project um, to the increased retainer it's ninety six thousand, so you're making an extra thirty six thousand a year by doing the simple thing of making it easier for the client. Right, and in a lot of cases that's the work that you were going to be doing anyways. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Jason, let's keep going then in the sales process. We, we kind of talked about the sales process there, but one of the things that you hit on a lot is proposals. And so here's something that I've heard from other HubSpot partners, and I'm, I want to pose this to you as kind of an objection or question and see how you respond to this. But 
in these huge relationships that you had at Solar Velocity, did the actual proposal really matter that much? Never. Never, 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 never. I'm bringing out the Chris Ducker or like Chris it. Tucker, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, like, what are you smoking, Smokey? Um, the proposal doesn't matter. It's the proposal process. It's the sales process. Before you even do the proposal, they should be almost sold. Literally, yeah. right? So, so many people now. If you're doing the, you you have a broken sales process, then yeah, the proposal matters, right? If you're doing RFPs, right? There's only two winners to every RFP. Do you know? Uh, well, the client and the client. Well, the person that wins the RFP wins the business. Well, that's true as and, well. And the first person out. That's that is definitely true. The person who uh, just says, "I'm not going to go forward with this," yeah. because then that's only when the proposal matters. When you're doing RFPs, and if you're doing government work, I certainly understand. I just I'm very sorry for you. Um, but for everybody else not doing government work, you need to turn down the RFPs because it's a waste of your time. If you have the right sales process, like for example, we would never like if you if you guys want to know how to stop clients from going silent or dark after you send the proposal, don't send them the proposal. You have to review it with them. So like when someone would call me up out of the blue saying, hey, Jason, I want to work with Solar Velocity and um, can you send me a proposal on how to do this? Like, well, no, because we need to know a lot more. Um, I have a lot of questions to ask you and I would like to meet and then present that proposal to you if we determine you're right for us. And then if they were right for us, we said, hey, you know, um, uh, you know, Timmy, I would love to do a proposal for you. Um, when can we uh, meet again and review the proposal? If they said, no, just send it over and be like, we may not be the best fit for you. And it's our process to review it with them. Because you want to walk them through it and see their objections and, you know, go through that. Um, the other thing, too, about proposals, don't give people options, you know. HubSpot agencies and inbound agencies are notorious for giving all options. Why do you want to make someone make two decisions versus right. one? It's hard enough to make them say yes once. <laughs> yep. They're looking at you as an advisor. So make sure you, know, um, you, you recommend your best thing for them, not what you want to sell them, but what's going to you know, work for them. Right. Well, it's funny that you bring that up. That was a mistake that we made early on was – you give people the options, and then you realize, hey, if we just had a stronger sales process, instead of just telling them, well, we have these pre-built packages, and you could buy this one or this one, if you're doing your sales process the right way and the consultative sales process, you should already know, and you should be going to them saying, here's what I recommend, and you should have reasons. Obviously, you should have a whole host of reasons to back up based on what you told me here and here and here. This is why this package is the right mm -hmm. package for you. Yeah, and you know, I had an easy way to direct my salespeople that you guys can steal. It was called the three I's. What's the biggest issue? What's the impact on their business? And how important is it to them? So this would help you with the sales process. And it, it, it makes you ask questions rather than tell. And when you ask questions, it's going to direct the attention to them, which they like. Everybody likes the attention on them. But what agencies do is always talk about how good they are and how they're people and how many awards they won and we're HubSpot partner number one or whatever it is. They could care less. They want to know how you can help. Yeah. And so if you ask questions like, you know, tell me, what are you wanting 
out of this project? And what's your biggest challenge overall in marketing? And what's the impact that that challenge is having if you don't do anything? Or what's the impact if we actually do this? And you ask the right questions in order for them to come up with that. So now you're selling on value. And then you have a great follow-up strategy with them if they don't call you back and be like, hey, Timmy, haven't heard from you in a while, so I presume you solved that million-dollar problem versus, hey, I'm just calling to check in to see if the proposal's ready yet. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're exactly right. And this is something that uh, Ian Altman, who wrote the book Same Side Selling, brings mm-hmm. out and kind of emphasizes mm-hmm. um, these same themes. And, uh, and I think you're also, the, I think the most powerful thing in sales, and it took me a while to learn, but just constantly be asking questions. And that makes a host of difference. And not, not just ask questions, but ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. I guess that's uh, just as key. So I think that those, the three eyes um, definitely stick out as well. Yeah. Well, Jason, this has been super helpful. Um, as far as the best place for folks to connect with you, if they want to learn more, and if you have any specific place that you want to direct people to, to learn more about the resources that you have together, um, where can people find you? And, uh, and what maybe is the best place for them to get started learning about what you do? Yeah, you know, the, the, the best place is, is really go to jasonswank.com. Right on the homepage, I have a free video for you that shows you the exact systems that we used to go from a seven- and eight-figure agency. So if you go to the home site, you know, like I said, I want my free content to be better than anybody's paid content. Um, and then the other place that you can really connect with me is if you go to the Smart Agency Masterclass. That's the weekly podcast uh, that we put out on iTunes and YouTube and all that. So make sure you go there. But um, if you go to the Jason Swank website, you'll see everything. And you could uh, just don't hate me because you'll be sucked into the website. And, and I have some people that send me bad emails and they'll be like, dude, I watched like 20 episodes and my wife's killing me. I'm like, I'm sorry, but I'm not really sorry. <laughs> nice. The other benefit if you go to the homepage is you can watch Jason's Dollar Shave Club parody video. Uh, yes, with the cat. I, I was getting interviewed on a podcast yesterday, and they go, "You never have your kids in the video, but you have but the you cat know, these, these these cats." And I'm like, "Well, anytime because my kids actually listen. My cats don't listen, and they just jump in." But uh, everybody knows a good marketing video is is funny, and it has a cat. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, love it. Well, Jason, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, those links that you mentioned, they will be in the show notes for this podcast, which you guys can find at doingbound.com/slash podcast. Jason, appreciate it. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. This episode of Inbound Agency Journey is brought to you by Do Inbound, the world's first project and process management tool built specifically for inbound marketing agencies. If you want to learn how to manage, track, and scale your inbound agency with a pre-built and proven system, visit doinbound.com slash journey. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash journey. Now back to the show. All right. Welcome back. I've got Andrew Dimsky, my co-host joining me now to break down Jason's interview. Andrew, you've had a chance to listen to the conversation that Jason and I had. What stuck out to you? Yeah. Great convo. Um, I think a lot of the meat came like maybe after the second half of it, he really dug into specifics um, more so in that, in that side of the interview about the, I think it was the question you asked him, like, what's the, the first thing you would tell an agency that's trying to grow? Um, and he broke down the power of systems and how 
you know, bigger agencies aren't smarter. They're not more talented. They just have better systems and processes in place. And the first point he made about setting 90 day goals, I thought that was a really, really cool point. Cause you can't, especially like when you're tackling a new, a new partnership and you're trying to get inbound up and running for them, you can't just set out with this, this mile high vision of, you know, attracting inbound leads and every customer who comes through is going to be delighted. And the sales team is going to be completely empowered with all this material to talk to this new type of lead. Like you've got to break that down into smaller pieces. And I thought his point around like a 90 day benchmark is a good thing to shoot for as you're breaking these things down. Yeah, I thought so for sure. And that kind of reminded me of how we break stuff into campaigns. And that's something that we didn't do at the beginning of Guava Box, obviously, but breaking stuff into a three month, which is, 90 days-ish, um, but a three-month campaign for things and just have specific goals. And it depends on what you're doing, what your team looks like, like what, what the right time frame is. But three months for us seemed like, for the bulk of our clients, a good time frame yeah. to run, like get a significant amount of data, and then iterate from there. I think you're seeing this across a lot of agencies that we talk to as well. Uh, some agencies are using the the EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, that they read through the, the book traction. We've talked to a couple people recently who have that. Um, or it's the, like the 12 week year model where you just breaking things down. But I think folks that have their act together, take a step back and they analyze the process and they look at the entire, uh, client journey and they break it down and they set key goals for each period. So that as you know, you don't just want the, the yearly goals or the quarterly goals, but you break that down to what activity needs to happen today so that we can move this client towards this next milestone or towards this next rock so that they, at the end of this, we're going to have some results to show for the money that they gave us. Yeah, absolutely. I thought uh, Jason getting into like just hitting on the emphasis of systems and processes and having basically just having stuff documented and having a system in place to bring other people in to do the work and allow them to scale. Like there's no way that you become, you grow to the size agency that solar velocity scaled to without having a system in place where people can come in and be successful. And I think that when you talk to a lot of agency owners, what holds them back from bringing somebody else in is that they don't have any kind of system. So even if they hire somebody, all the training has to happen one-on-one face-to-face and it's just kind of yeah. a brain dump to them. So if you don't have that, not only are you limiting the, the team that you do have right now in terms of getting everybody on the same page potentially, but even if you are on the same page, you've got a one or two or three person, you've got a small team right now, you're setting yourself up for a lot of failure and a lot of struggles and a lot of inefficiency when you do when you are ready to scale and bring somebody else onto the team. Yeah. He, another point he brought up was this like attack system mentality that even though we're all inbound agencies, we all drink the the inbound Kool-Aid, we need to have an outbound plan in place. You and Ryan run the um, inbound sales journey. Did you, when he mentioned that, did that bring anything out of you? Do you have any thoughts on how to build upon the points that he shared there? Yeah, actually. So Ryan and I have done an episode, which we can link up in the show notes here, on using outbound at an inbound agency or using outbound sales strategies to sell inbound. And I think, I mean, at the end of the day, it's about winning your business and growing your business. And Jason, I think the the biggest point to take out of it is have a plan of attack and go execute on that. And don't be afraid to try things, um, even things that maybe are outside of the conventional inbound box. You don't need to wait for everyone to come from you. Even for inbound to play a huge role in the sales process, that doesn't necessarily mean that they need to be triggered. The first time they hear about you needs to be they 
found you via search and came to your website or they yeah. clicked through a social message and found you. Inbound can still be a powerful tool in the sales process, even if you're finding people by what we'd probably refer to as outbound methods. Yeah, and then you have that system and that funnel in place once they get there to consume content, to answer questions, to nurture them through the funnel. I think those are really good. Um, now, Jason also touched on something that you and I are passionate about, and that's the Discovery Project. Uh, we call it an inbound game plan here. It's core to the do inbound agency framework and just building the structure of an agency that's scalable. Um, it sounds like that's a discovery that that process of adding it to their to their system really helped them capitalize on larger accounts. And one thing that he shared that I hadn't really broken down before, I've I've done it before. You you know we've done it before together, but I never broke it down this way. He said you lead with the discovery where it's just really help us figure out what's the problem. They pay for that, then go into the project where maybe you're fixing that or you're building something, and then after that, go to retainer. Um, seeing that as like a deliberate three-phase process, I thought that was it was cool to see that play out in that sense where just because you do a discovery doesn't mean you need to go for the, the long-term partnership right away. Yeah, absolutely. To hear him, and Jason gave a talk that I was able to go to at Inbound this year where he gave a presentation on how they used, basically how they used the discovery process and continue to build trust through the process that he he got into some of that on the podcast here today. Um but to to grow their business and then to grow some of his clients uh, as folks who've gone through some of the coaching programs that he provides and helped other agencies grow with that. But it's just when I heard that that speech, that um, pre- presentation at Inbound this year, I was just sitting there thinking, preach it. This is so many people. Why did it take us the two plus years into Guava Box to figure this out? Yeah. Um, because this is it's just if you if you think about it, you're asking somebody to commit to, and we already, I don't want to rehash what we said on the podcast, but the commitment, the ask that you're asking for with very little of a, of a working relationship to look back on and rely on if you're the client just seems kind of preposterous in a lot of cases. So I think that this makes a lot of sense. It gets at the, at the end of the day, it's more profitable for you and it's an easier experience and a better overall experience for the client. Yeah, I agree with that. And that kind of rolls into his proposal point. Um, and I agreed with what Jason said that like the proposal doesn't matter at all in the process, but I feel like it's easy to say it doesn't matter when you've got a good process in place. And that's, it can be like, if you're a a young agency and you're just trying to figure this stuff out, um, that is, it's a hard, you don't have something in place right now. It's hard to say it doesn't matter, but stepping back and building that process, once you do that, you see that, okay, once the actual, the actual deliver the proposal here or the contract, however you want to word it has a key role to play, but it's since I've positioned it differently, that makes it not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. And just as a, a word of encouragement to folks who are at a younger agency and struggling through, I don't have this process in place right now. Just like take away from, first of all, our experience at Guava Box, our struggles, and we're still, there's a ton of mistakes that we're making. And it's this constant process of iterating. And Jason talks about how Early on at Solar Velocity, even after they'd grown significantly, they were making mistakes that meant that they were not profitable on 60% of their projects. Um, and fortunately, they were able to stay in business based on the profitability from the other 40% of their projects. But it's, I think it's easy to hear, oh, this guy sold his agency, had this huge exit, 
Um, he's moved on. He's got all the answers. But here that everyone is struggling with this and building this out at the same time and try and learn from this and find ways to to piggyback off of what other people have learned to accelerate your own growth curve. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to trying something. You have a hypothesis. You test it. Yeah. And then you constantly improve and iterate. No, I totally agree. You can't just soak up this. There's no silver bullet out there. Like You're going to take and learn lessons from everybody and kind of make – you're, you're making your own soup at the end of the day and these guys figure out what tastes the best for you and build the agency that you want. Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.